Um, as we come out of a time of confession, uh, I know that there's people in here who some of you may feel heavy and burdened as your inadequacy, inadequacies come to light. Um, others may feel a lightness and freedom in confessing, uh, letting God's grace come over you. And some may be completely unmoved by that, which is also fine. But I want to tell you, and I just am up here to remind you today, that no matter how you're feeling, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, um, whether you are screaming at God or pleading with him or praising him, we get to approach the throne with confidence because we are so deeply loved by him. Um, as the last few weeks, we've been talking um, about Ephesians, and Paul over and over has reminded us who we are, that we are adopted, we are cherished, we are loved, we are blameless, we are holy, we are set apart, we are all of these things. Um, and he does it again in that passage that we read at the beginning of the service, that is the passage we're studying today. And he does it again, but he does it in a little bit of a different way. And if I am totally honest with you guys, sometimes in the past when I've read Paul, I have thought, man, if he was here today, I don't think I'd like him very much. He seems like kind of a jerk. Um, but I think I'm wrong. And today, today's scripture, he prays this most, the most beautiful and tender prayer. And as I've studied it over the past couple of weeks, it's a prayer that I've started praying over my kids um, because it is so just beautiful and touching, and it's what I want for my three daughters. Um, but there's, uh, let's just go ahead and read it over it one more time. I'm gonna just read the part to you. I think the part that I love the most about it is that it's not a prayer. He's not praying for the Ephesians to change the way they're acting and do all these things differently, but he is praying for them to know the unknowable, to know the depth of God's love, which is a weird concept if you think about it, to know the unknowable. But what he's saying, it's this affirmation of God's love for us, and yet his willingness, it's an affirmation of his love for us, but then also his call into us, a call for us to like really lean into that. So um, the part that I love the most is it says, in verse 17, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I'm here to say that you are loved, and you are deeply loved. And we, as a new community, um, have the strength to comprehend that breadth and depth and length because he loves us so much. So we're going to do something a little different. We don't always do this, but I'm going to have Tara come up here, um, and she is going to sing a song. And this is meant to be a time that you guys can reflect over the words that they're singing. If you want to sing along with it, great. But more than anything, I would ask that you just quiet yourselves and reflect on that love for you. Um, you can sit, you can close your eyes, you can just listen. But I just want to encourage you to feel that depth and to know the unknowable love that he has for you. I am uh, sure you guys noticed Kevin just gets exceptionally better at announcements as the years go by. It, the, uh, the enthusiasm increases, the uh, little sidebar jokes just keep going up. I, I love it. I love it. I know how much he loves announcements, so it makes it even, even better. Uh, this morning, we're just going to take uh, a few moments to uh, focus on this prayer. And um, it is uh, one of my favorite uh, prayers in the scriptures. 
I don't know if you're allowed to say that. There are certain portions of the Bible that are more important or feel more significant than others. But uh, for me, this is one of those prayers that you can just read it again and again and be amazed at some of the rich depth that is found in this particular text. And while uh, there is much that we could go through and kind of dissect in, this, uh, in these verses, uh, I think perhaps one of the more significant portions of this text is right at the very beginning, actually. Uh, it's perhaps uh, the most significant part that uh, is often overlooked. It's the portion that maybe carries the most weight uh, to it. And it's this little section right at the beginning. In some versions it says, for this reason I kneel. In this particular version it says, for this reason I bow my knees. Paul starts off the text in this particular prayer and he just simply says, I kneel. I bow down. I humble myself. And perhaps it's a part of the verse that you just kind of have skipped over many times before to get to the sections that speak to Him strengthening us in our inner being, to us being rooted and grounded in love, for us to know the unknowable love of God. Or the the last part, the part maybe that's our favorite, which is to say God will do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. And so maybe you skip right to those parts and knowingly, That makes a lot of sense because those are so profound. And yet, right at the very beginning, we notice that Paul takes on a particular posture in prayer. And we know how much posture is important. You know, you hear the expression that pictures are worth a thousand words. Uh, I think body language is probably worth more than that. What you pick up from someone based on their body language Uh, says more than they even have to say. They don't even have to utter anything, and you know what they're thinking. It's like when you're saying something to someone, and they suddenly kind of cross their arms and look at you a particular way. You realize, oh, well, they're kind of closed off to the idea that I'm I'm talking about right now. If, um, If you're a teacher, I guarantee that if you look at a student who's kind of upright and looking and nodding and paying attention, you're like, wow. Excellent. We have at least one of them in the room, right? The rest of the time, it's like kids are slouching and uh, you just realize by their body language alone, like they're either here or they're not here. Uh, Body language communicates so much. Um, I remember growing up that if I saw this, right, then things weren't happy at that moment, right? I, I wouldn't have a smile on my face. I love how parents use body language even without having to say anything. Uh, so, like, you hear that whole thing when kids are misbehaving and uh, the parents go, you know, don't make me count to three, and then they start one, two, right? But uh, have you ever noticed, like, parents trying to do that in public where they don't want to really do that? And so then they're just like, they look at their kid a certain way and they're like. <laughs> and then a little more. And then just like. You do verbally where you're like, two and a half, you know. They like raise the finger part way, and then the kid starts to come, right? Because they realize like, mom's serious, or dad means something right now. And uh, for all of us, um, body language communicates something important. And what Paul does right at the beginning is he speaks about posture. 
But the key, I think, in this is to recognize that our external posture really is not about just how we look or what we're expressing because the external really is revealing what's happening internally. The reason body language is so important and so significant is not because of the way you position your body. It's all about what that is communicating about what is happening in the depths of who you are. It's the internal. It's what the heart is doing. And you see this really throughout the Bible. You see it uh, in Joshua in the Old Testament. There's this moment that he comes up. Uh, he's walking and all of a sudden he's face to face with the pre-incarnate Christ and he just immediately realizes the situation, takes off his shoes, bows down, humbles himself in front of Christ. And what's happening on the outside is happening because there's this reality going on in the inside. The external is revealing what's taking place in the internal. And as we know in the scriptures, it's highlighted again and again that the internal is truly the most important. You see it in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is speaking uh, with the disciples and he's speaking with the Pharisees and he, and he says this. He said, listen, you, you clean the outside of the cup or the dish, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. First, clean the inside of the cup or the dish and then the outside will also be clean. You start with the internal. You see it also in the Scriptures where... It communicates the importance of uh, the internal so much so that that God seems to say that it's uh, more beneficial for you to be inwardly right than for you to do any of the external rituals. To obey is more important than sacrifice, right? Or in Psalm 51, you see like the sacrifices that God desires are a contrite heart, a humble heart before God, a brokenness, a willingness to admit sin. Do you ever get the feeling that sometimes it's the form or the function that's really replaced the true internal posture? That we get so caught up in doing things a certain way that maybe we've lost why we're even doing them. I mean, you see this uh, all throughout the church history. The postures of prayer have been promoted whether it's uh, being on your face before God, whether it's kneeling, whether it's bowing, uh, seated prayer, hands raised, uh, you know, head lifted to the sky, that all, all over you, you are encouraged to, to express externally what is happening internally. But I think most of us have probably had in some way or another our praying shaped by culture rather than by the internal desires of our heart. I think this is most prominent or easy to see uh, when we're praying with kids, praying in the back. I don't know when this started to happen, but I just imagine that it probably went something like this. You have a bunch of pre-K students. They're all like 25 of them around you. And you're like, hey, let's spend a few moments in prayer. And then you start to pray and then just havoc breaks out, right? And so somewhere along the way, I guarantee you, a Sunday school teacher was like, okay, kids, today we're going to pray, but here's the thing. I want you to take your hands and put them together and hold them like this, right? Okay, so no hitting Johnny on the side. 
just hold them like this and, and pray. And so prayed, but still realized things weren't going the way they were supposed to. Because kids are looking around, sticking tongues out at each other and like express. So, okay, kids, I think today as we pray, hands bowed, let's go eyes closed, right? But you know, you know what's going to happen when it's the eyes closed, right? It happens every single time. All the kids close their eyes. You start to pray. And then when the prayer's over, like Susie goes, hey, I noticed that Bobby over there was, his eyes were open when we were praying. And then the teacher goes, well, how did you notice, right? Because your eyes were open too. And then all the kids are like, oh, I feel deep shame that my eyes were open when we prayed, right? And so then we're like, okay, so here's what we need to do, kids. Let's put our hands together. Let's close our eyes. And this time, here's the trick. Let's bow our head, okay? Everyone's looking at the floor. This is really the way God wants us to pray, right? Um, <laughs> And so we like over time we've developed these cultural ways of expressing ourselves that I go, man, I wonder if they're really what God desires or if it's just ways of being convenient about our prayer. But what God wants is our eyes open, our hands raised, our hearts in the right kind of place, expressing to him what we really feel. I remember as my kids were growing up, uh, and, and still is happening. I mean, they're in high school and it's still happening. You you sit down for prayer and, uh, you know, we're praying and then someone opened their eyes or someone was playing with their food and then someone tattles on the other person and they're like, hey, so-and-so's eyes were open during prayer. And I say, great. And they're like, okay. And then they're like, well, um, I noticed that so-and-so was um, was really not praying because they ate before the prayer. And I'm like, great, now they know they have something to be thankful for, right? We get so used to just the ritual that you got to pray before you eat that we miss the spirit on why we're even praying. And I think that's true not just before dinner, but that's true across the board, that we tend to get caught up with the ritual rather than the reason. And I even think sometimes what we do is we become more worried that we check off the box that said we prayed or prayed the right way or with the right kind of words than we actually are even aware if the presence of God is with us in that moment. We'd rather just go through the function and miss the Spirit altogether. And so maybe the most important part of this whole prayer is that beginning that just says simply that there's a posture that we have to have. It's not about praying the right way. It's about praying with the right spirit. And so this morning, what we're going to do is enter into a little time of prayer. Uh, I, um, I think have also recognized in the church in my growing up that we like to talk about prayer more than we actually like to pray. And so this morning, to simply say, instead of us spending another 20 minutes talking about prayer, And talking about the ways in which this verse speaks into our prayer lives. Maybe we just spend the next 20 minutes praying. And really asking God to move in this place. But to do so with a heart that is humble. I want to close by reading this little section. Uh, Jesus is describing, it's in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, he's describing a scene it's taking place. Uh, we would assume the scene is taking place in the temple. We just assume it is a, a time of worship, um, much maybe like our own right now, while the functions and the way it looks are different. 
Uh, it's still a group of people coming together, still intent on hearing from God and expressing back to Him the way they feel. And you see this stark contrast between two people as they enter into prayer. And it says this, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off, and this is the contrast, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 